This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Today, Toronto is home to many Indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and we are grateful to work on this land. In order to meaningfully work towards collective liberation, we must center the Indigenous stewards of our land. Welcome to Breaking the Fourth Wall, a podcast by BIPOC TV and Film. I'm your host, Yasmin Kanji. I'm also the current advocacy and outreach lead at BIPOC TV and Film. I'm a filmmaker, a director, and the founder of Films with a Cause. We speak to rising and experienced creatives about their experiences in the industry, having faced inequities as they provide insight into their career paths, while considering ways to improve the working conditions for all creatives. We hope you enjoy wherever you are, no matter what you're doing or where you're going. Okay, so we're really excited about today's episode because we have the one and only Hannah Johannes here with us from BIPOC TV and Film. So welcome, Hannah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Hello, beautiful people. (laughs) So yes, Hannah and I work together at BIPOC TV and Film. Um, But just so that everyone is fully aware of who you are and what what you're up to, I'm going to read a quick bio. So Hannah Johannes is an Eritrean director and producer who is well known for her work on her critically acclaimed and award-winning short film Home Away, which has been featured on Issa Rae's short film Sunday series. She has recently directed a CFC film called The Crown with the phenomenal composer Kaya Cotter and is currently developing her next project called Ignite the Spark with the phenomenal writer Solange Furman. Hannah is also the manager of programming at BIPOC TV and Film. Wow, those are all some really exciting projects that you're working on right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm really interested to hear about what your experience working at BIPOC TV and Film has been. And I know, you know, neither one of us have necessarily been doing this work for an extended period of time. I'm a little bit newer. You know, I started out in my role as advocacy and outreach lead. Um, in August. Um, So I'm really curious to know what has been most meaningful to you about your work with the organization so far. Um, I think the rewarding thing is connecting with people, with such talented, amazing creatives, whether they're showrunners, writers, producers. Um, I think that's the beautiful thing about programming, I feel, is that you get to connect with creatives and see their growth, their journey, um, and the things that they learn from, whether it's through their professional development or personal development. And I think that's a beautiful sight to see as a programmer. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's it's what's really special about this community is everyone really wants to help each other. People right. are really motivated. Yeah. People are also very understanding of the different, you know, personal reasons as to why, you know, yeah. you might not be able to meet a certain deadline or show up. And that's something that I really appreciate because I feel like, for me, when I came into this industry was very intimidating, not knowing whether or not I could be my full self in these spaces or do I just like, you know, shut up and kind of take orders and just let that be it. But I think we've created a community where people feel like they can be treated like a human being and be respected and be able to be their full selves. So I think it's, yeah, that's really special. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you have a lot of short films, a lot of projects that you've been a part of. Um, so I'm really interested to get to the root of some of that <laughs> and understand what brought you into the arts in the first place. 
Um, I grew up to films. I used to, I'm kind of dating myself, but I grew up on VHS films, like Disney films. It was something that uh, throughout my childhood, uh, shout out to The Lion King. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of my favorites. I felt like storytelling and films, there's such a beauty to all the movements of story, character, the story arc, plot. Um, I feel like, and music as well, which is such an important component. I feel like there's a lot you can say uh and it's a great way to express yourself yourself and your story and um there's so many uh talented collaborations you could have with others as well too so it feels like when you're creating films um or just creating stories there's a community there's a sense of collaboration mm -hmm. community that i cherish and love so um that's something that drew me to the arts and i'm a creative myself so yeah yeah, absolutely. I also, you know, I'm very nostalgic and I, I love the the Disney VHS tapes. Like that's something that I, I think also kind of got me into it. Yeah. Um, Lion King was also, I think, one of the first um, movies I saw in in the theater. And I have this like very vivid memory of laughing so hard at a scene that and I was so tiny that I like fell into the chair and like Aww. flipped in the chair because I was <laughs> laughing so hard. So yeah. yeah, I think um I mean it's it's interesting because now looking back, there's a lot of like problematic, you know, scenes and moments within a lot of the Disney films that, you know, we treasured and so fondly growing up so it's like a little bit complicated but right. I I think yeah. similarly for myself like Disney was a really big part of why I wanted to um go into the arts yeah I actually don't often like reflect on that but I think it's just you know I I don't know there's something about the Disney package that just is very inspiring to young you know young yeah. people right so yeah, yeah. Were there any other, I guess, creative influences in your youth, you know, teen years, whatever that might be that kind of made you feel like this is something you could continue to pursue? Um, I have to give a shout out to my dad, um, who's been really inspiring. He's an artist himself and um, very creative. And he was really influential as I was growing up in terms of just using art um, whether it's filming or just kind of because uh, he's a painter and just does a lot of creative, expressive things. And so I feel like he was really influential in terms of uh, it's OK to pursue the arts and express yourself and create through various forms and then figure it out. And I think that was really uh, significant in terms of me wanting to express that creative side of myself, but also like the joy and happiness that comes from it. So and that it's not. Uh, limited to other opportunities um, that might be stereotypically assigned. But um, I think that was the beauty. I think my dad had a really big influence on me in terms of filmmaking. So I have to give him a shout out. So, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's really special. I think it's it's always more motivating when you do have family that allows yeah. you to explore the arts because I think yeah. it's really challenging sometimes when it's something that you're curious about, but maybe it's something you're even discouraged from. Yeah. Um, I, I can say for myself, I'm very grateful. I grew up with a family that was very into pop culture and like Friday night movies. And yeah. that was kind of how we bonded. 
So I never felt like I was deterred from the arts necessarily. But, you know, within the community and the culture, it's like not the first thing that you want your kids to go into. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But um, Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, like specifically with my mom, she was a teacher. So she kind of understood the importance of like letting kids kind of do what they gravitate towards because usually there's like a reason for that if that's you know that's something that feels natural so I was holding a camera from like a very very young age like yeah (laughs) yeah, just kind of bossing my siblings around yeah Um, but yeah that's that's really cool I'm interested to know now um, if you have any common themes within the films that you that you direct, that you write, that you produce. Right. Um, Great question. I think some of the common themes I find is uh, there is a lot of family relationships or dynamics that I find that uh, a lot of the films that I work on, especially like mother daughter or like women relationships with women so it's just Mm. kind of like that family dynamic like whether it's sisterhood uh sibling banter or it's uh generational family dynamics how you know what the expectations are um so i think i love to i've noticed that consistent theme where um it's creating those authentic stories about those intergenerational family dynamics but also like specifically with women empowerment relationships friendships um how that works and i think it's really cool especially with black women i think just seeing that side that vulnerability um i I notice that consistent theme in my work and music some elements of music so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and how long ago was it now that you directed and wrote your first short oh man it's been over 10 years wow it's been over 10 years um, I've worked on other short films in collaboration with others like um, Jordan's or Justice um, and so forth. But Home Away, I have to say, is the first that I wrote and directed. Um, and this is when I was pregnant with Denise at the time. This was when I was part of the City Life Film Project, which is used to be a branch of Remix Project, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. which would help uh, individuals who are interested in film learn the different aspects like script writing, uh, cinematography, um, so just the different facets of it and uh, pitch it. So at the time mm-hmm. we pitched it to Temple Street um, and then three people were fortunate enough to get their pitches made into a short film. Wow. So um, so yeah, Homeboy was one of, uh, is a really, really special project. Um, and shout outs to Muna, who is star lead. Um, it's not easy to uh, mimic or to, to uh, um do it based on a true story. So um, shout outs to Muna and the team for holding it down as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I I wasn't aware of this. Um, pro- like I know about the re- like the remix project, but I feel like there's been a lot of short film labs that or even like funding for short films that existed that mm-hmm. don't anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because I know that there's like a lot of a lot of young people, emerging folks, like Mm -hmm. even, you know, mid-career, whoever, like creating short films is really hard because the funding is just so limited. Right. Um, But yeah, how have you experienced that? I think, um, I think it's important to, I I think it comes from also the level of those who are funding. They have to see that it's important to fund, support the arts, like it's integral. 
Um, that's arts affects our culture. It affects, it has such a huge impact on our confidence, our creative expression, who we are, but they have to see it as a priority that this is important to fund and consistently like sustain that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but also I think I had the advantage of being younger. (laughs) Um, so I had that to my advantage and there was a lot of programs at the time that were Mm -hmm. in partnership with production companies, um, who wanted to give back to the youth to learn about filmmaking. So I had that advantage in terms of being younger, um, youth at the time. And, um, a lot of the programming should not just be limited to 13 and 30 and under it Mm -hmm. should be over 30 as well um and so i think let's say someone wants to transition from a different career like i don't know like being a lawyer to maybe entertainment law or um just being a technical director to director just like there's still transferable skills and so i think if we have programming that's funded sustainable like consistently i think that's important um from those organizations who are funding the arts they should see that as is essential, but also looking at making sure the program design is not just limited to 30 and under. There's life after 30. Mm. So let's not devalue artists and creatives who are transitioning or who maybe come to Canada um, after 30 and just want to start a new life. Mm. I think we need to support not just uh, 30 and under. They're important, but we also have to support the generations um, who are above 30 as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, on the verge of uh, directing my first short narrative film. I've mainly been working in docs, but I've had this script for like almost three years now. And so I'm really excited. I'm really nervous. You know, I've wanted to direct narrative my whole life. And so I did a bunch of short films, you know, with just my camera, like in high school and done some short film challenges. in my undergrad, but this is kind of the first time that I have a script that I feel really confident in, um, uh, an amazing lead uh, actress. And, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm super excited, but it's also nerve wracking. So I would love to hear from you any advice that you have for me and for anyone who's directing their first short narrative film. You know, what what should I be prepared Mm -hmm. um, with? And, uh, you know, what should I expect on the days of? So I, what I like to do or what I like to suggest is uh, preparing like a master document or a, a like a master sheet where you have as a director kind of like what are the characters, like just kind of like a character breakdown, what you want the look to of the film to be. So it's kind of like a reference sheet for the team to see, okay, this is what the director's vision is. It's kind of like one sheet or kind of like, I just say master sheet or document, but it could be like a slide thing too, like a uh, deck Mm. where you can show how you want the characters to look, the makeup, the hair, the the theme, like the production design, how you want it, the ambiance, why it's the certain lighting, why it's a certain color. Um, you can put the shot list there. So I've kind of find over the years that I've been directing, I find it's just easier to have that so that that way you can just anyone that comes on the team. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Do a one on one if you can, like a check in. This is just have a conversation and like this is what your vision. It kind of better visually appeals and shows that this is what your vision is and helps you to better explain it. Mm-hmm. Um 
I also think leading with your gut instinct and your intuition, Mm -hmm. I think is very important when you choose who your talent will be and the team, because Mm -hmm. being on set is such a sacred space. And I really value on having a safe set, um, whatever emotions or any that ripples on set. And I want to make sure that everyone is I have a no asshole policy. People who work with me know this on set. It's just, it is what it is. And the whole point is to make sure everyone is safe. Um, It is a sacred space where talent can explore their emotions and the concurrence of it. Um, But also let's have fun. Yeah. Right. So I think we forget that in the pandemic, we tend to, you know, we, you know, things happen, but I think we can control certain things and uh, there are other things that we can control. Right. So I think having fun, enjoying the process and realizing we're making art in the midst of a pandemic, that is a beautiful thing. We should have fun on set. If something's delayed, yes, you know, we got to make things within a certain time frame. But I think there's a beauty to creating art and like all of us coming together and Mm -hmm. like, you know, so I think. Yeah. We We're should like have playing fun. dress up and make yeah, believe. Like <laughs> We're adults. Just like, okay, so if something is delayed, let's say, I don't know, something, a little technical thing or something that we just need adjustment, have a dance break in the middle of it. Yeah, like, I just have that. fun and realize, like, we're coming here to create a mass, a cinematic masterpiece. So, um, whatever we can't control, we just kind of like figure it, figure it out. We're a yeah. team. But I think having fun is important. Mm-hmm. Um, as a director, I think just being in, it's like kind of like just seeing everyone as human beings and like realize like, hey, I'm here to support. I'm here to help out. I think that's really important and just have fun and, you know, have a positive attitude. I think that's really important. And then also realize what is the thing for you as a director to ground you like that kind of like this is my self-care for me. I'm going to be OK, whether it's words of affirmation um, I don't know, a dance, a little dance break, something. What is it that makes you happy and like your inner child happy? I think that's important to start off and just know that you can do it. Oh, I love that. That's that's very helpful, actually. And I feel like when you choose crew and talent to work with that you vibe well with, that you are on the same page about the story and yeah. the the purpose of the story and even like who the audience is and, you know, maybe even like who the community is that you're making this film for. Mm-hmm. I think like when everyone is on the same page and obviously being treated kindly and respectfully that that's going to help people put in their best work um you know people are going to show up and actually want to do the best that they can for this project right yeah because when people are not being treated well and um you know maybe they don't have a connection to the story i'm not saying that everyone who works on a film has to have a connection to the story right but i think it definitely helps for motivation and for for those creatives for themselves to to know that you know know like I'm lighting the scene because this is the emotion behind it and I know what it feels like to be in this kind of situation you know I think just all of those kind of thoughts for everyone on set it's important um so myself like I am trying to build a crew um it's challenging you know like my film is about an Indo-Caribbean Muslim teenager I feel like I keep saying this on the podcast because we're recording at a time where it's all I'm thinking about right now but you know the those identities like really matter because um there's there's like 
less than a handful of Indo-Caribbean folks who I know in this industry, right. let alone, you know, people that come from a Muslim background with those yeah. intersections. So I'm really trying to create an environment where people understand the nuances of what those experiences involve, uh, but also, uh, you know, a crew and a space where people can feel that um, they can show up as people, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And highlighting those intersecting identities. Right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think self-care on set is something I'm always trying to figure out because I think the longest I've directed for consecutive days was like three and okay. I can't imagine doing even more than three. I was actually just at the Future of Film showcase. Um, oh, how was it, it? Yeah, it was it was great. Like a lot yeah. of really fun short films. Okay. And um, so there was an after party and I was speaking to someone who just got off a nine month um, uh, job as a, I think, it, like production coordinator. Right. And yeah. she was just exhausted. Oh. And I was asking her, like, how do you do that? Because yeah. I just don't know how you how like how do you sustain yourself like nine months? I'm like after three days, yeah. I'm knocked out for two weeks. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know how yeah. people do it, but um yeah, I don't know what are some some more of those, I guess, like, you know, ways that directors, creatives on set can take care of themselves and in, in between, you know, like when they actually have moments to themselves. Um, I think have a great relationship with your first, have a great relationship with everyone, but like your first AD, because I think, because they're also looking at timing and making sure everything's running smoothly. But I think if just the little things with your first AD, just let them know, like you need a certain time away or just mm. kind of, what is that thing for you? I think if you identify it, um, or also like, don't do it by yourself, right. have a support system. Yeah. Um, can't be superhuman we could try all we want but we mm. ain't we're still human so I think having your tribe of people who are who 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 care for you I think having a support system really helps whether it's you know if it's not your first AD um, you can have you know family or friends or your your chosen family or uh, to come visit you on set or bring you certain things and just kind of just just to support you because having a long production run you want to make sure you have the support system in yeah. place so that way uh, for those who don't have a support system it's okay um, you can always connect in community there's always I'm pretty sure there are other filmmakers and creatives who feel the same way mm -hmm. right so just the way that you connected with someone who's a production coordinator yeah now you can connect, you're connecting with someone and building a relationship where um, you share and understand and empathize with the struggles that you face as a creative or what difficulties you face. Um, I could say self-care. I know it's cliche, but like what does self-care look like for you? Mm. Um, so having a support system, self-care, um, but also just kind of knowing when to take a break and just kind of yeah. realizing that there's only one person like you're you're the only you on earth um and so you can take a break and recognize when you can move like basically move at a pace where you are make sure that you're good mm -hmm. so because any position or any workplace you can always be replaced yeah. but you cannot be replaced as a sister as a mother as um you know like so as an auntie, like 
you can't be replaced as a person because you mean a lot to other people, right? And um, there can never be like, there can never be Hannah Johannes that it looks like me, that's a mom that has my mm. fingerprint and that, you know, there's only one. Like materialistic things can be replaced um, for job opportunities. You know, people can be replaced, but remember the essence of who you are and move at your pace. If you're working on a longer project, is that have boundaries as well too is this something that you can manage um sometimes hey you got to pay the bills and you do that but also what's the key takeaway from that production well how are you growing as a person what skills what's what's your why yeah why are you doing this yeah because those days when you're just like i don't want to do this you were like okay what is my why what is my objective out of this what's my purpose for doing this that will take me through that nine months is it for me to grow as a person is it for me to grow professionally? Like, go back to your why. I think that's really important because if you don't have your why, you're going to be like, you, you know, like it doesn't mean you won't have frustrations. It doesn't mean you won't have growing pains. Mm-hmm. That's part of the journey, right? So it's like, I, I feel like go go back to what your why is, your purpose. So I think that's yeah. that's really important when you're taking on a project or even creating your own story. Why is it relevant to say it now or create it now? Why are you the right person to do it? What's the purpose of this? How is this impacting? And like, what does it mean to share this with the world? Um, I think that's the way I kind of approach my work with short films or anything that I create. It's like, what is the purpose of this? Why am I creating it? Mm-hmm. Um, who's it going to help? Um, some, sometimes I'm just creating, hey, I just want to make create a fun piece, yeah. comedic piece. Pull around and just, you know, Mm. try something new. As long as I'm not creating stereotypes or creating certain things that's harmful in terms of narratives for BIPOC creatives, I always try to create work that's impactful or fun or just inspiring in some way. Yeah, no, I'm on the exact same page. I think that's that's awesome. So um, do you do you have a specific why right now and in anything that you're working on? Um. So there's Ignite the Spark is my why are my two beautiful children, Sammy and Denise. Um, They've defined and formed me in such a way as a person, uh, as a mother and just as a filmmaker. Like, it's just, I think they are my why in every shape, form, decision, choice I make. And so... um, I have to say they're my why, my big mm. W-H-Y, them, because they've changed me as a person and made me a better person. So um, in the work that I do. And so, um, yeah, shout outs to them, Sammy Aww. and Denise, uh, my Din Din. Um, but uh, yeah, they've helped me become a better person. And I feel like the two projects that I'm working on is because of them. Ignite the Spark with Solange is... Um, it's a kid series, uh, 10 episodes, 22 minutes. Um, it's about uh, creating a series where we're exploring STEAM, the acronym STEAM, so science, technology, engineering, the arts and math, uh, and the relationship between both. So mm-hmm. we're having a scientist and an artist coming together because in the education system, usually that inner child of exploring and problem solving is kind of mm-hmm. limited or um, navigated very specifically. But in this series, we wanted to showcase that there is a relationship with science and math and just exploring that and 
uh, I'm really excited. So yeah, yeah, that's something that we're working on um, with a proof of concept. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so so special. So uh, this leads nicely into um, my next question. What I wanted to know from you is, you know, you're a mother and you're doing all this mm. amazing work as a creative and also at BIPOC TV and film. So I'm still trying to navigate just, you know, not being a mother, just mothering myself right, <laughs> while right. doing, um, you know, this full time job, also being a creative, you know, it's always a juggling act. Like, I don't think I really believe in a work life balance, mm -hmm. you know, like everyone I'm meeting, especially even like last night, like I'm just noticing like, like people really don't believe in a work-life balance anymore but I think maybe it's more about work-life harmony mm -hmm. so I'm wondering you know with with everything that you're a part of and that that you take on in your personal life and your professional life what what does that juggling act look like for you uh I I have amazing people around mm -hmm. me so I have to give credit yeah. to them uh, my parents, uh, both my mom and my dad, who shout outs to them for helping out um, and supporting me. And uh, I have to give a shout out to my chosen family as well, who give to me emotionally, who help me out, who support me. Um, I really, really have, I think it comes down to the amazing tribe that I have around me and my kids um, who are so loving and like amazing and considerate and just if I if I need someone to talk to I know who I need to talk mm -hmm. to I, you know um I just have amazing people who are around me and my kids like my parents uh my friends like Gazilla, Rachel just amazing people who are around who just who are there for me and just like unconditionally love me and my kids and just are there. So I think I'm really blessed and grateful to have that. That's, that's who helps me. So you might see the amazing things of me supporting, like that's why I'm able to go to screening or yeah. to support, like let's say Chris's screening. Yeah. Um, it's because I have amazing people who love and make sure that my cup is full. Mm -hmm. um, me and my kids cups are full and that we're good. And so I'm really grateful for my tribe, like so my Johannes tribe and, yeah. um, you know, and just amazing people who are around me who just who pray for me. Um, and I have my my ancestors as well, too. So mm -hmm. I, have to, I got to give shout out to uh, my grandmother as well, um, who's not here, but transitioned, but uh, who's always praying for me and always protecting me. So I have mm -hmm. to give a shout out to my ancestors and uh, my tribe. So. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially when we're doing this work that's extremely intense and a lot of times personal and you need you need to draw from very vulnerable places. Yeah, and in yeah. order to do that, like you you feel like you need the safety and security that yeah. you can provide that for yourself uh, for sure. But I think it makes a huge difference when you have chosen family and family and friends who are there to support you. Yeah. I'm really lucky. I have two of my like closest friends live within walking distance from me, oh, which is incredible. Amazing. And then um, two of my other friends are really amazing 
assistance when it comes to anything for my short film or yeah. my collectives and startup films of the cause. So yeah. I'm, I feel very blessed that, uh, you know, I have friends who are huge supporters of what I'm doing and are yeah. even working with me on those projects. So yeah. I think it's really special when you can find that. And it's definitely worth like investing you know, some time and effort and energy into those relationships. Cause like, at least for me, like that's how I feel fueled to even keep going. Right. Yeah. Is knowing that like, I'm not just in this alone, that like, even if my friends aren't directly a part of my work, like they're yeah. there and they're supporting me and they believe yeah. in the projects and they want to help in any way that they can. And that's just like, that's just everything. That's amazing. Like that's that it makes a difference mm -hmm. when you have amazing people around you and like I used to be the type of person that would not ask for help because I was so independent but I think it's important to yes you can be independent that's part of adulting but I think it's also important to know to ask for help it doesn't make you less of a person to ask for help and I think there's always someone who's willing to support you like it could be a family a teacher a uh, friend, um, and also shout outs to our creative community. I think they've been so amazing supporting my work and being so su supportive of me as a mom, um, just being so understanding and so loving and caring. So I have to give a shout out as well too. Uh, but also for those who feel scared to ask for help, I please feel free to ask for help. I used to be that person who would be afraid to ask for help because um, I was so used to doing things alone. But mm -hmm. I think you can be, your cup won't be full. Your cup, you, you need to make sure that your cup is full and you have a support system to help you out. And just so that you, not only can you flourish, but you have people around you who care for you and mm -hmm. you know, you're not alone. So yeah. I think that's really important. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And I also make it a habit to check in on people that I haven't heard from in a while. Yeah, and checking on yeah. the strong ones, man. Yeah. Checking on the strong <laughs> yeah. ones, the strong ones. So mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think People always appreciate that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think I always like put aside the time or maybe it's just because my brain just moves like at a million miles like per second. Yeah. <laughs> but I am always like thinking about everything at once, including like people that I love. And yeah. so I am always very adamant on keeping in touch with people like no matter how busy I get I, yeah. I I always want to like continue the friendships and relationships and yeah. family interactions and like yeah. you know make sure that that's also a priority because yeah I don't know I've just really like tried to figure out what that harmony looks like when I've met mm -hmm. so many folks who have been in this industry for like 10 plus years and mm -hmm. like tell me that they have no social life 10 years into the, their career and right. you know that's just very that's very scary for me because yeah. I I love being amongst family and friends and meeting yeah. people and exploring and I don't want to have to like forego those parts of my life because I've chosen this path you know yeah yeah I think it's so it's like being mindful even when your mind is full. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 No, no, no. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take that with me. <laughs> so when it comes to the advocacy work um, that you do at BIPOC TV and film mm -hmm. and otherwise, uh, do you feel that your why is the same as your why for your creative practice? Uh, do they intersect? I think so, because I've always been, um, I think in both spaces, I feel like, 
I've always shared information and resources. That's always, whether it's in my directing or um, as a program manager, I feel like programming, I always shared resources. Like I was like, hey, I see this opportunity and I kind of tend to do that in both spaces. Um, and I've never been one to kind of, uh, um, I just feel like I, I share resources and I always feel like there's a level of advocacy where um, not only do I share resources and opportunities, but I also advocate for those who feel like um, their voices are not heard or just mm -hmm. pass the mic, just pass the mic um, in my, in my capacity. So um, I think that does fall in line with my why, because I feel like we all are worth the opportunities that we pursue. And um, if anyone's trying to gatekeep or anything like that, I feel like, why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, um, I also don't forget where I come from and how hard I worked in, in my filmmaking journey. So for me, um, if I'm given a space or position where I can empower or I can help advocate for others, um, for opportunities, resources, or spaces, I take that responsibility very seriously. So, um, and it's important. I'm just like, well, that's how we change. Mm -hmm. um, you can't be uh, hoarding opportunities or anything like that. For you sure. have to share, um, come together. And it's, it's, and also we're getting older, like as much as we don't like it, but it's like, we're getting older. It's like the next generation's coming too. So if you're hoarding information and it's kind of, it defeats the purpose of, um, how we change as an industry. So um, I think it does align with my why. And thinking of my kids, Sammy and Denise, it helps me remember like, what is your legacy when you leave? Like mm -hmm. what will, not just what will people think of you, but what impact have you made? Yeah. What difference? How have you helped someone advance or how have you uh, supported them? Or how mm -hmm. have you, have you given that person their flowers? Like, how have you cherished that? You know, like it's just leading with empathy. That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing for me. So I think it intersects in both my directing and, uh, program managing. Um, but it's, it's just me as a human being, it's just lead with empathy. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really think I could ever do my work unless it was led by empathy. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how would you define that relationship between the community work that you do and the creative work? Mm, I think they're both in alignment with, with who I am as a person, which is investing in community, um, whether it's through the creative form of directing or working, supporting someone on their project, um, but also creating safe spaces where they can learn, um, it's kind of, it flows the same way. It's just different. It's kind of like programming and production kind of mm -hmm. streams. Programming is a space for me to creating a safe space um, where creatives can learn, grow, um, acquire the knowledge or the tools. They already have it within them. It's just a matter of just connecting the dots mm -hmm. and putting the right alignments in place, whether it's mentors or putting um you know like just the right executive they're just kind of like aligning those those opportunities and connecting the dots um but a lot of the talent and creatives are they're already gifted it's just a matter of yeah you know like helping them throughout the program support them in that and then um preparing them for job opportunities but it's already there like the talent is already there for sure um 
with directing and production, same things, creating safe space, but we're creating the work. Um, the other programming is more fulfilling my purpose in the sense of giving back, investing in community um, and helping others. So that's how it fulfills that, that aspect of my why production is the same thing too. It's just a different format where I'm directing and sharing, um, using my creative expression to storytell and, um, create opportunities for others as well. So it's, it's just two different avenues, but I would consider it like programming and production. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you feel that we should prioritize more in our days that, we don't, you know, between all of the community work and the creative mm -hmm. work. And I know we've been speaking a lot about work-life harmony, mm -hmm. but maybe if there's any, I guess, like tangible ways that we, you know, we could improve our day-to-day -day lives amidst mm -hmm. all of the, all of the things that we're always trying to juggle. Uh, wow. Like a tangible thing. Hmm. Make sure you eat. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, that's huge. I, I came to the studio today on an empty stomach and I like warned the team, like I'm going to be stuffing my face while we're prepping. <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> but it's so true. Even just eating is actually for me, at least become such a struggle because it's like you have back when you have back to back meetings and when you yeah. have work you have to do and yeah. you have places you have to be. I'm just like eating on, in Ubers at this point and like transit. It's just so. Yeah. We, yeah. We tend to push eating as a, you know, we're like, mm -hmm. no, we got to get this stuff done. Like tunnel vision. Yeah. I think you got to eat. Yeah. Nourish. Absolutely. Uh, nourish yourself. Um, therapy is important. Mm -hmm. I know it's not, it's, it's not really, it's more in, in your intangibles. It's working on your intangibles, but it's a tangible yeah. action. Of course. To work on your intangibles because it's important. It's just important. Yeah, but even as creative people, we're like we mentioned, we're drawing from sometimes personal experiences, mm -hmm. like most of the time, personal experiences. Yeah. And um, I think you have to be ready to process that, especially when yeah. you're putting it out into the world. I think yeah. you need to have dealt with some of that in your own way. And yeah. I think it's important to think about in that sense, how your audience is going to receive your work. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, in, you know, writing the script about this Indo-Caribbean Muslim teenager, like when you hear that, you know, uh, you might think that that will come with an element of trauma within the story or, you know, maybe yeah. this character has experienced something just because yeah. of, you know, the intersections of being a part of, you know, an ethnic uh, community that, you know, there's just there's a lot of nuances within that experience. Right. And so. Yeah. I wouldn't want to put a story out there where the Indo-Caribbean community is seeing that for the first time and then going to feel, you know, like maybe re-traumatized. Mm. So I think I needed to process my own experiences before writing a story that I was going to have an audience be able to, you know, witness that. Yeah. Because I think especially for these kind of communities, we're just so used to seeing we're so used to seeing imagery that's harmful and right. it's, uh, you know, sometimes these stories are very true and they need to be told. But other times I feel that if all we're seeing is, you know, the the Muslim girl taking off her hijab because, you know, she wants to be liberated. And it's like, oh, like that's so gut wrenching to just yeah. have that be the only representation that we have. 
And so I think it is really important as creators to like look within and yeah. and think twice about the work that we're putting out because yeah. sometimes it, it like us not dealing with our own stuff is like going to be harmful for the audiences, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I think it's it's so you'd also don't want to perpetuate a stereotype too. So mm-hmm. and also the experience is not a monolith there's a variety spectrum of experiences um and so i think that's important yeah yeah Mm -hmm, for sure so we are coming to the end of the of the episode so i thought we could do uh, a quick rapid fire okay so we have a couple questions for you hannah okay so um what is your morning routine looking like Ooh, morning routine um my morning routine, I got to wake up, got to do my skincare routine, kids waking up, breakfast, um, dropping kids at school, daycare, um, and just like really like doing my meditations. Mm-hmm. Those are really important. I have to wake up early and do my meditations. It just sets the tone for the rest of the day. Um, so that's a bit of my um, morning routine. Yeah. Yeah. And how much time do you usually allocate towards because I'm still trying to figure one out for myself that's more consistent but I struggle with having enough time to do everything I need to do before actually starting my day yeah we gotta we got we gotta do within 30 like wake up 30 Mm -hmm. minutes like we out the door because we gotta set they gotta be on time for school yeah for sure so I have to like really like we've nailed it down to like wow. a certain time frame. We're just like, listen, we wake up. Like yeah. I wake up a little bit early, but um, we just nailed it down. Got hey, we got breakfast this time. I'm horrible though. I'm I'm not the one eating breakfast. The kids are eating breakfast before me. This is something I need to work on. But it's just like meditation. Yeah, get breakfast for your kids. Get them ready. They're already up, getting dressed. You know, get whatever lunch and stuff like that is already set up. Um, and then we're out the door like in 30, mm-hmm. like we meditation. I do a little bit earlier, but like okay. the setup, like from wake up to like 30 minutes, you got 30 mm-hmm. minutes get now it's like a fight for the washroom That's what <laughs> yeah. I'm finding in the morning routine. I'm like, right. we need more than one washroom now. Cause oh like gosh. I have a 17 year old son and a 10 year old daughter. So now, you know, appearance is everything mm-hmm. now, so, which is important. <laughs> it's important. But now that's what I'm noticing. The time is like, oh, got to use it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's our morning routine. But we're out in 30 minutes. We got to be out. So okay. we can make it on time for school. Yeah. Nice. What's a TV show you're binge watching? Oh, I've been watching All American. Mm. <laughs> I've been watching All American, the homecoming version. And the yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Very fun. Watching. Um, what's a film or TV character that you related to growing up? Ooh. Um, I have to say, I love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I really related to, like, I relate to Will and Carlton. I have mm-hmm. to say, like, different <laughs> aspects of them. Like, Will, Car- like, for Carlton, it was more like the knowledge, like, knowing things, like, I was, and I feeling like a nerd, but also like Will, just being a goofball. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it, what it's like to be a goofball. So I think those are the two that I could think of off the top of my head. Nice. Well, thank you for joining me today, Hannah. This was really fun and very inspiring and rejuvenating. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you for having so, me. Um, yeah. Is there anything you want to shout out about uh, anything that folks should look out for with uh, what you're working on? Um, sure. Um, I just finished shooting Little Dreams. Uh, we're going to be 
um, showcasing that film next year. So shout out to Shatrice Dolabai, who is a badass baddie for being pregnant and leading that film, uh, being a lead, amazing and producer. So thank you. Shout outs to you. Um, shout outs to Sammy and Denise, my two kids, for being my motivation, my masterpiece, um, my most precious gift of all time. And uh, I want to give shout outs to uh, my grandmother. I love you. And uh, to my amazing tribe uh, who've been there for me from day one, who love me and support me. And I have a new series that I'm working on um, that's so that's new and amazing. And you've asked me numerous times, Hannah, when are we going to get the men? We love that you're about women empowerment <laughs> in your short films and your, you know, your film work. But we want to have a chance. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll have some opportunities for you guys. So I haven't forgotten you, but uh, I just want to say shout outs to my tribe and uh, for being there for me. And just to everyone who's listening, just know that you're not by yourself. There's amazing creatives you can connect with and um, and can be celebrated. And um, whether it's film festivals, uh, organizations like BIPOC TV and film, or more that are there for you. And uh, there's resources available as well, too. So um, I just wanted to give a shout out to that. So yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. This podcast is recorded at the Allen Slate Radio Institute at Toronto Metropolitan University. For more information about this week's guests and their work, please see the episode's description. If you have episode requests, send us a message via our Instagram DMs. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time and take care.